This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I just want to talk to you for a second on I love the church. I love church. There is not one aspect of church I don't like. I like the food. I like the fellowship. I like all that comes. I like everything about church. And I want to read to you out of the book of Psalm 122. We'll read all nine verses. They're not long verses at all. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. When David writes in Psalm 122, if you've got a study Bible of any way, shape, form, or fashion, right below the line, Psalm 122, it should say something to the effect of, A song of degrees... A psalm of ascents. What that means is whenever Jews, whenever they reached the age of 12 years old, they were required by the law of Moses to go up to Jerusalem three times every year. They would go up in the spring, they would go up in the summer, and then they would go up in the fall. Each of the three times that they would go up, it coincided with a harvest that was taking place in Israel. Whenever they would go up at spring, they would have what they called the barley harvest, and they would celebrate the Feast of Passover. Whenever they would go up 50 days after that, they would go up in the summertime, and they would celebrate the, the wheat harvest, and they would have the Feast of Pentecost. And then they would go up in, the, in the, the fall time and they would have the grape harvest and that's where they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Now, whenever you and I look at that, they would go up to the house of the Lord and they would come from wherever they are. No matter where you are in Israel... When you get down to the base of Jerusalem, you get into the Kidron Valley, you have to go up. And as they would get on the bottom of the slope, they would begin singing what they called the songs of degrees or the songs of ascent. They begin in Psalm 120 and they go all the way through Psalm 134. And they would sing these as they go up. And as they would get down to the bottom of the hill of Jerusalem, they would lift their eyes out of the Kidron Valley and they would look up to the golden, glistening, golden, beautiful, towered, city walls of Jerusalem. And they would see the eastern gate there. And as it would be glistening as the sun looked upon it, they would sing this song, I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, here's what you got to understand. 
What they did in the, New, in the Old Testament, you and I do in the New Testament. What they called the temple in the Old Testament is what you and I call the church in the New Testament. Now, there's all types of differences and there's all types of, of similitudes, but you've got to understand how they operated back there in a unique way we operate right here. Now, you and I, we do not go to the temple. We are the temple. We do not go to a place. We are the place. What made that temple the dwelling place of God? It's because the Holy Spirit came down in the Shekinah glory and he abode over the mercy seat where the blood was applied and that's what sanctified that place as the house of God. Now you and I got to understand something. You and I do not come to the church of Jesus Christ. We do not come to the temple of Jesus Christ. You and I are the temple of Jesus Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because when I got saved by the grace of God, the blood of the Lamb was shed and it was applied to the mercy seat of my heart and it was in my heart the Holy Ghost came to dwell and in my soul and spirit right now, in the glory of God, the Shekinah Holy Ghost is abiding in my soul. Therefore, I and you are the temple of God. Now, you and I think about this place as the church. You and I look at the brick and we look at the mortar and we look at the beams and we look at all this. And if somebody were to say, where do you go to church? You got to, and I know what they mean. They're not wrong. I understand what they're saying. But you don't go to church. You bring the church. Let me put it to you like the old preacher said. You is the church. You see, you and I have got to start thinking in this realm that you and I are the church of Jesus Christ. What makes a church? If somebody were to ask you, what is a church? I would look at you and say, what is a church? And you would probably look at me and say, I don't know, you're the preacher. You tell me what a church is. I would give you three things that would define a church in this day. Number one, the church of Jesus Christ are the redeemed of God. You see, the church is not this building. This building could burn to the ground today and the church would still be alive and well. This church, this building right now could burn having nothing left but the concrete foundation beneath it. And you would say, what would we do next week? Well, the church would still get together and we would be just fine because the church is not founded in brick and in mortar. But the church is that saved group of people that gather together to worship God. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason right now, whenever you go to join a church, we ask you to testify of faith in Christ. And we ask you to do it by being baptized, making a public profession of an inward possession. You know why? Because this is not a religious house. This is not a lodge house. This is not a gathering house. This is the place where the people of God get together and we worship God in spirit and in truth. This is not a place for good people. This is not a place for whole people. This is a place for save people. This is not a place where we get together because we've got money in common and we got things in common and we got backgrounds in common and we got politics in common. I imagine right now there's very little that you and I have in common except one thing and that's the fact we've all been to bloody Calvary and we've all knelt at the foot of the cross and we've all asked Christ to save our soul and we've yielded our life to him. That's what makes a church. It's not about religious people. There's a lot of religious people in religious buildings, but they're not a part of the true church. The true church are people who've been born again by the grace of God. Number two, 
the, the, the church of Jesus Christ is what I would call the agent of God. The agent of God. What is an agent? An agent is somebody sent to do the bidding of the person that sent them. In this day and in this hour, we have a mission. We have something that we are to be accomplishing for the glory of God. What is that? That's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in order for the gospel to be preached, it was God's will, God's plan, and God's ordination that it be done through the church of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, to preach the gospel, he could have had an angel come and flap the golden wings and preach it, but that's not what he decided to do. He could have right now an angel write in the stars the gospel story of grace and glory, but that's not what he's chosen to do. Do you know what he's chosen to do? He's chosen to let a group of people who've been born by the blood, saved by the grace of God and have been baptized in the Holy Ghost of God. He's given you and I the mission of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remind you right now, our job's not to have blood drives, although there's nothing wrong with blood drives. It's not to have soup kitchens, and there's nothing wrong with soup kitchens. It's not to have clothing drives, and there ain't nothing wrong with clothing drives. But our mission today, it is wonderful to have gospel singing, but that's not the mission of the church. It's great to have preaching, but that ain't the mission of the church. The mission of the church is onefold. It it is unified, it is singular, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to men, women, boys, and girls. That's the mission. And you and I as the church, that is our mission. Number three, we're not just the agent of the church, we're the channel of God. What does that mean? A channel is that thing, that avenue, whereby something flows from one end to another. Can I help you with something? If God's going to bless the world, he's going to do it through the church. If God's going to do something in this world, he's going to do it in the church. If God's going to bless a community, he's going to do it through a church. Now, I'm old-fashioned. I'm telling you, I am old-fashioned. I know I'm old-fashioned, and it don't bother me to be old-fashioned. If you ain't old-fashioned, you're going to find I'm mighty old-fashioned. I am a firm believer that a community is only as strong as the strongest church in that community. That's why we got weak communities. That's why we got weak leaders. That's why we got weak politicians. That's why we got weak governments, because we got weak churches. We got weak preachers. We got weak Christians. We got weak deacons. We got weak pastors. We are weak, 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 weak. Why would God not just give us a strong government? Because the government is not the channel whereby God is going to send blessings. And here's what you'll find. If there's government leaders, I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. If you'll bless a church and let the church operate as the church ought to operate, God will send the blessing of God into that community because they're the channel of God. I'm going to tell you something. You make it hard on a church, God makes it hard on a community. I can't, I'm just telling you how it operates. You can like a lump of bump of Trump, but I'm just telling you, that's just the facts. Amen. When a community and a city and a nation and a state start clamping down on the church of Jesus Christ, God starts letting things fall apart. I'm telling you, God uses the church to bring his blessing. Now listen, I'm telling you right now, everything in my life is about the church. I wake up in the morning thinking about the church. I go to bed at night thinking about the church. 
I spend my entire life doing something for the church. I'm either doing something in the church, doing something for the church, or thinking about what I can do for the church. I preach in churches. I labor in churches. I try to help pastors that are over churches. I try to help you all. I try to minister when I go to the hospital. I'm doing it because you're a part of the church. I'm doing it because we are the church. Everything in my life, and I'm going to be honest with you right now, there's big times in my life and times in your life where the devil puts things in your mind and makes you think that the church is the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is not the enemy. It may have been a goat that masqueraded as a sheep and part of the church that messed you up, but it was not the church of Jesus Christ. It's because God has blessed the church, and this morning I declare unto you, I love church. I love everything about the church. I like the way we worship in church. I like where we go in church. I like everything about the church. I love the church. Now let me load these up and blow these out as fast as I possibly can. I'll give you four reasons out of Psalm 122 on why I love church. And I'm praying right now, there are people in this 11 o'clock service, you're visiting this morning, or you hadn't been a part of a church, or somebody hurt you in a church, or somebody busted your mind up in a church, or somebody that went to church that you worked with, I'm telling you, you need to let that go, get that behind you, and move on in your life. I'll be honest with you, if you're not right with the church of Christ, I promise you, the channel of blessings not flowing like God wants it to flow. I love the church. And if you've been a part of a bad church, leave it and get a cold of a good church because I love church. And I'm finding that the more closely, rightly related I am to the people of God, the more blessing flows into my life. When I am right with God and right with His church, all is right in my life. I'll give you four reasons. Number one, why do I love church? Number one, I love church because of the person that we worship. Notice what it says in verse number one. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the what? Lord. He didn't say, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of Israel. He didn't say, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the king. He didn't say, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of David. You know why? Because there ain't nothing special about the house of Israel. There was nothing special about the house of the king. There was nothing special about the house of David. He said, but there was something special about when I laid my eyes upon the house of the Lord. He said, there was something in that house that blessed me. There was something in that house that got a hold of me. There was something in that house that made my insides want to turn over. There was something on me. There was something by me. There was something that moved through me when I saw the glistening golden gates, when I heard the, the sacrifice of the animals, when I saw the blood flow down, when I heard the singing and I saw the music and I was worshiping. He said there was something about it. You know what it was? He said, I've been down to the house of idols and it didn't do it for me. Oh, but when I went to the house of the Lord, when I went to the house of God, he said something turned over on the inside of me that I just couldn't get a hold of. Now, brothers and sisters, I wish I could tell you I've never been in a bad place. I wish I could tell you I've never messed up. I wish I could tell you I'd been in all the right places. But I'm telling you right now, I'd be a liar if I said it. I've been to concerts just like you've been to concerts. I've been to these places just like you've been to these places. But I tell you right now, there is something special about when I come to this place. Something better than the movies. Something better than the... Da- I don't know if they have dance halls anymore. I didn't dance when I wasn't right with God. I don't even know how to dance in. I don't know how to dance now. Here's what I'm telling you. I've been in all 
all those different places, but there's something different when I come into this house. There's something different when I get together with the people of God. And it's not our technology. It's not our ability. But there's something that flows in this place. There's something that's sung in this place. And it's the God man. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, it's not about a preacher. It's not about a place. It's not about a denomination. It's not about an organization. It's not about an association. You didn't come in here this morning to listen to me preach. And if you did, let me tell you, you've come for the wrong reason. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about Tyler. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Lamb of God. It's about the hope of God. This morning, if you've been messed up in church, it's because you got your eyes on the wrong thing. You got your eyes on people. You got your eyes on situations. And people will let you down. Situations will let you down. Things will let you down. But if you'll lift your eyes to Jesus Christ, we worship Him. We bless Him. We honor Him. You know why? He's the only one worthy. He's the only one holy. He's the only one righteous. He's the only one good. He's the only one true. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can keep. He's the only one that can hold. He's the only one that's worthy of anything. We sing about him, preach about him, walk about him, talk about him, live about him. He's the only one worthy. And right now, I don't care where you go, if they preach anybody other than Jesus Christ, you need to get your stuff and head on out the door because it's all about Jesus Christ. I was glad when they said unto me, let me go to the house of my Lord. And there's something that churns on the inside of me when I get to thinking. Now listen, I love Mondays. A lot of people don't like Mondays. I like Mondays because Chick-fil-A opens back up. (laughs) But as good as it is that the Chick-fil-A is still missing something. I love going and preaching at places. But there's something about when I get to come to the house of God where Jesus is the focus. If you've been messed up in a place, take your eyes off of that mess and look back at the one that you're supposed to be worshiping. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Number two, let me give you this second one. I'm not just thankful that I get to come and love this place because of the person we worship. I'm thankful because of the protection that we have. Notice what it says in verse number 2 of chapter 122. David said, Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. You see, everywhere in Israel, there were open plains and open fields and open, open everywhere. There were no walls around those places. Now you say, where did the walls come from? Well, think about the walls. He said, Our feet shall stand within thy Gates. He didn't say walls, he said gates. What do you attach a gate to? A wall. So if I'm stepping inside of a gate, by default, I'm getting behind. Are y'all not hanging with me this morning? I'm not 100% sure what we got going on here. If, if I got gates, then I'll have what? Thank you, Lord. If I step inside of gates, by default, I've stepped inside of? David said this. He said, when my feet stand inside your gates, when my feet stand inside that place, I'm so happy. Why? Because everywhere else I've been dwelling, I've been out in the open. 
I've been exposed to the enemy. He said, but when I get inside of that place, he said, there is a protection there. There is a, a security there. There is something that wraps itself around me, and I know I'm going to be okay. Now, I, I, I would talk to you about this place, and when I come into this place, I feel protection, but that's not what I'm saying. It's not about this building. You see, you and I get inside of, of walls through a gate. You understand what I'm saying? You get through walls by walking through a, a gate. You get through walls by going through a what? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said in John chapter number 10, he said, I am the door of the sheep. And if any man enter into me, he shall find pasture for his soul. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the door. And when you get saved by grace, a door has got to be connected to what? It's got to be connected to walls. And when you get in Christ, you are safe and protected. Now, let me apply this to you because some of y'all are looking like I've just made something up. Here's what that means. When you are out in the world, you are exposed to the enemy. When you're living like the devil, you are exposed to the enemy. When you're acting like you want to act, you're exposed to the enemy. When you're out there doing what you, you are exposed to the enemy. But when you are right with God and you are rightly related to God and you are inside of Jesus Christ, when you step in, there is peace and security. When you step in, there is joy and harmony. When you step in, God says, it may not always be right, but it'll always be safe. It may not always be quiet, but it'll always be safe. Can I ask somebody else a question? I've just been asking myself this question. I talk to myself far too many times. Have you not found, since you got right with God, you've had some real problems? Am I the only one? Okay, all right. But you know, no matter how many problems I've had, now I'm not talking about the kind of problems I caused. I'm talking about the kind of problems that just hit you. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. No matter how many problems I have, not one of them has stopped me. No matter how much jangling is going on, it ain't stopped me. No matter how much clanging and banging is going on, it ain't stopped me. It's like there's something between me and the clanging and the banging. It's like I've got a security between me and the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what that is? That's the protection of being right with Christ and being right with his body and being right with the people. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, when you're right with God, there is protection. When you're right with his people, there is protection. I've never been in a place where I'm right with God and I've been exposed to the world. And I'm going to be honest with you. The reason so many people in the church have the issues and the fallings and the failings that they have is they keep stepping out back into the world and they can't figure out why the arrows keep hitting them. It's not rocket science. When you're not right with God, but you know, I'm finding that I just love the church. Because when I'm right with God, no matter what comes against my life, I'm safe. I'm secure. In our latest episode of Peaches the Puppy, whoever, time out, whoever put the bug in my boy's ear to get a dog, 
if my wife finds out who you are, she will kill you. I saw my wife speak in tongues last night. And it ain't the kind you hear about at a Pentecostal church. I'm just telling you that right now. Son, I thought she was coming off the top turnbuckle, giving one of these right here to Peaches the Puppy. I mean, she was coming down hard, son. I wake up in the morning, I'll, I'll go walk and pray, and then I'll come back in. And I get Peaches and wake her up, and she, she, she comes out. And This morning she went out, and it was still dark outside, and honest. There had to be a million crows in the woods behind my house. I'm not exaggerating. I'm talking one million crows. It sounded like a concophony. I, I don't even know what that word means, but there was a bunch. And that dog, she looks out, and there is a cat walking outside the back fence looking up at them crows. I didn't tell you this. And that dog started shaking. Yeah, whatever. You better not put this on TikTok. You understand me, Avery? I'll I'll kill you dead. That dog... She's out in the yard. She takes off back to the door. And she is jumping like a mad woman on that door. And I said, Peaches, there's a fence. I said, Peaches, get back out there. You're safe. You know that dumb dog didn't listen to me not one bit. She had her eyes on the problem and not the fact that she was inside a fence. I bet that dog, if she could talk, she'd probably look at me and say, what if that thing climbs the fence? Well, you see, Daddy didn't come to the fight by himself, baby doll. He brought with him grace and mercy called Smith and Wesson, and he was willing and ready to do something about that cat. One of the men in the church whom shall remain nameless gave me, a, gave me a sight and a laser for my hand. Listen to me now. I look like James Bond walking through my backyard. Man, I can peg him. I don't know how to load the gun, but I got it. You see, you and I keep our eyes on these problems. We keep our eyes on this buzzing and the rattling that the devil sends into our life. And we forget that as long as we're inside the fence of the will of God and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that we are safe. And if one were to happen to get inside, honey, he didn't come to the fight by himself. My Father in heaven said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But when you're right with God and His church, there's protection. Number three, I'll tell you one reason why I love the church. I love the church because of the people that come. Look at what he says in verse number four. He says, Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, 
to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 4. He says, whether the, what's that word? You're not getting it. He didn't say whether the tribe go up. He said whether the tribes. Why does that matter? Well, there were 12 different tribes in the land of Israel. And they all would go up to Jerusalem at the same time. These 12 tribes were named after the 12 different sons of Jacob. You had Naphtali, and you had Manasseh, and you had Gad, and you had Asher, and you had, uh, you had Reuben, and you had Simeon, and you had Levi, and you had Judah, and you had, you had Dan, and you had Benjamin. You had all these 12 tribes. The problem with every one of those tribes, I looked up the names the other day, and you know Naphtali and Benjamin and Dan and Asher and Manasseh and Gad and Reuben and Simeon and Levi? Every one of them have a different meaning. You see, Benjamin, it literally means the shine. Everywhere Benjamin went, man, he just glowed. Then you got Naphtali over here. And Naphtali, it it means something else. And then Manasseh, it means something else. And then Judah means something else. And they're all different. Can you imagine, Brother Tim, when Naphtali comes to the house of God, Manasseh looks over at him and says, why are you doing that? You know I'm this. And then when Judah shows up, they say, well, don't act like that. And then Simeon, don't act like that. Why would they all do? Because they're all different. Y'all aren't getting what I'm putting out. You do realize that when you gather together with more than one person, you're going to be... If you gather together with more than one person, you're going to be different. Everything is different. Two dogs can come out of the same litter and they're going to be... Two kids can come out of the same womb and they're going to be... Everything is different. If you go to a place where there's more than one person and everybody's the same, you're not in a church. You're in a cult. You with me? Okay. Here's the problem with different. We've got this idea that different equals bad. You're different, therefore you've got to be wrong. Darren, you don't jump and skip. Therefore, you ain't right. Randy, all you want to do is lay when you pray. I stand when I pray. You ain't right. Nolan, you walk with an umbrella. I don't. You ain't. Tim, you cry at the drop of a hat. I don't. You ain't. You see, the devil has got us pegged that we're different. Therefore, somebody's got to be wrong. Can I ask you a question? Which is better, your thumb or your big toe? Depends on what you're doing. If you're trying to run a marathon, your big toe is pretty important. If you're trying to open a bottle of ketchup, your thumb's pretty important. Different does not equal bad. Not one part of your body is the same as another part of your body. Even thumbs are different. Even fingers are different. Pinkies are different. Toes are different. 
Some of y'all act like you don't believe me. Well, I got two fingers right here. One busts over to the right because I snapped it in a, in a game one time. And that one's as straight as an arrow. They're different. You see, life and differences make us different. I look at you and I looked at the 9 o'clock service. Can I say something and not hurt your feelings? Y'all different. <laughs> Everybody in church is different. Some of y'all, all y'all want to do is work. All you want to do, you want to cook something and work. And if we ain't working, we're lazy. Then some of you just want to come and sit. There's some people, when we sing, you'll sit like this. And then there's some people in this church, I don't care if it's Jesus or John Brown, they're going to shout over something. And the person shout looks at the person sitting saying, what's wrong with you? Then the person sitting looks at the person shouting and says, what's your problem? And then the person working looks at the person worshiping and says, why aren't you like me? Ladies and gentlemen, that's what makes it wonderful. Can I tell you what I love? I love the fact that people are different, but they all come together. The fact that different people come together means only one thing. There is a unifying factor that's bigger than our appearance, and it's bigger than our background, and it's bigger than what we have in common. We only have one thing that binds us all together, and that is the fact that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ flows in our spiritual veins, and we've been born again. I don't care if you play the piano, if you play the organ, if you sit in the choir, if you sit in the pew, if you work as an usher, if you work as a, as a watchman. I don't care if you work upstairs. I don't care if you're new here. I don't care if you've been here. I don't care if you're up here. I don't care where you are. You are loved, and you are important in the eyes of God. Everybody in this room is important. Everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different talents. Everybody has different abilities. Not everybody can play pianos. Not everybody can play organs. Not everybody can sing songs. Not everybody's going to preach. But that does not mean you're less. That does not mean you're not important. I'm thankful for the fact that our wise and holy and righteous God saw fit to put a bunch of different people, baptize them in the name of Jesus, fill them with the power of God, and put them together. I love the church. I can tell y'all eating this point up. I'm going to keep on hoeing in this tater patch until I rip up what I'm trying to rip up. Somebody in this house is listening to the devil in regards to the differences you have with your spouse. You love the fact that they were unique when you were dating. And now you spent the last 15 years trying to change them. Because they don't clean like you. They don't respond like you. They don't do like, well, did you marry yourself or did you marry somebody else? <laughs> Different doesn't equal wrong. Honey bear, I'll have to pick on you and pick on me together. I won't pick on you, you can pick on me, okay? My wife has got some issues. How many men feel my pain with your wife? You, they can't help it. I, they got them. I, I don't know what happens, but when they walk down the aisle, they pick something up in the back. I don't know what happens to them. <laughs> my wife looked at me the other day. She said, if I'd known all I know about you right now, I would not be married to you right now. <laughs> my wife has got some, some cleaning issues. You know what they are? She says, I don't know how to. 
Men, did you know that in order for a blanket to be rightly put in a closet and be happy in that closet and feel safe and secure, both corners have to be lined up. The bottom has to touch the top. They have to meet together and they have to kiss before they go into the closet. Did you know that? Can I tell you what I have found? That blanket feels just as safe and secure when you do that. And all the men with a backbone said... Can I ask you a question? And we'll laugh about that and I'll pick on me and her. Who's right and who's wrong? Different doesn't equal bad. You know, I, I used to be bothered by the fact she wasn't like me until her and her mama went out of town for about a week. She went out of town for a week and let me tell you something. Three shades of the devil's lair broke out in my house. I couldn't find my shoes. I couldn't find my keys. I couldn't find my wallet. It, within a day, Bill, my house looked like Williams and Sonoma had puked. And when I didn't have what I normally had, it was in that moment I realized different isn't wrong. It takes many members to make up a whole body. And every one of them are, I love the church. I love the singers and I love the shouters. I love the sitters and I love the walkers. I love the givers and I love the poor. I love the ones that come and I love the ones that can't come. I love the ones that want to come up front, and I love the ones that want to sit in the back. I love the ones that drive white cars, and I love the ones that drive blue cars. I love the ones that enjoy being up front, and I love the ones that are embarrassed and have to sit where they are. I love the ones that hold the offering plates, and I love the ones that count the money. I love the ones that put the batteries in the remote. I love the one that dusts the furniture, and I love the one that vacuumed the carpet. I love the one that plays the organ and I love the one that plays the piano. I love the ones that sit in these chairs. I love the church. I love the ones that fill the baptistry. I love the ones that wash the windows. I love the ones that work upstairs. I love the church. I love the ones that sacrificially give and then I love the ones that are barely able to give because they're just now learning how to walk by faith. I love the church. I love the ones who bring their Bible and I love the ones who use their iPhones. I love the church. I love the ones who come on Wednesday and I love the ones who come on Sunday and I love the ones who are trying to figure out which one they want to try to be committed to. I love the ones that are newly married and I love the ones that are single. I love the ones that are old and I love the ones that are widowed. I love the church. I love the ones of you that are brand new and trying to figure out what's wrong with this man. I love the church. You know why? The reason I love the church is because I'm learning that the more different a people are and we all learn to get along together, it shows the great wisdom and trust God has in the mission. I'm done. I'm through. But I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a young preacher who when he first came to the church had a lot of energy and had a lot of hyperactivity and had a lot of ambition, had a lot of dreams. 
He had one goal. To make a shouting church that wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost and run and hoop and holler. And so he built that church and he made the people make sure that they shout all the time. During the offering, they shout. During the good, they shout. During the bad, they, they always shouted. And quickly enough, he found that hard times would come and all the people wanted to do was shout. He found that there were times when wives and husbands would end up dying suddenly and there would be pain and trauma, but all the people wanted to do was shout. And babies would be born and babies would pass away suddenly and all the people wanted to do was shout. Then they would go to the graveside and when people needed to weep and to mourn, all they wanted to do was shout. And then I heard the story about the young man who wanted to have a somber church and so whether it was good or whether it was bad, they were somber. And whether it was in or whether it was out, they were always somber. And whether somebody got saved or whether somebody died, they were always somber. And then I heard about the pastor that said, Lord, I don't want a shouting church unless you want a shouting church. And Lord, I don't want a somber church unless you want a somber church. And he quickly found when he wanted to be and have what God wanted him to be and have, that on the days that he needed a shouting church, he'd have a shouting church. And on the days that he needed a somber church, he'd have a somber church. And on the days when he needed a given church, he would have a given church. And on the days when he needed a church that was tranquil, he had a tranquil church. You know why? When you start learning to appreciate the differences that our God has created, you'll learn that those differences are what make every day of your life exactly what it needs to be in the day it needs to be in. I love the church.